Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. In this episode, I will continue with a series of interviews with tillage farmers who are involved with various programs within Chagas. Recently, we chatted to Vincent Mackin, who's farming in Meath and his advisor, Shane Kennedy, about his involvement in the Signpost Farm program. So today we will look at the Enabled Conservation Tillage Project, which is run by Chagas, to look at how farmers can embrace non-plough-based tillage systems and at the same time cope with grass weeds which can emerge in the system. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Bill Shanahan, a farmer in Waterford, and his ECT project advisor, John Mann. Bill, I might come to you first. Can you give us an idea of the farm structure in terms of owned or leased land and how fragmented this land is, and also around the rotation or a type of rotation that you've run on your farm? Well, Michael, uh, in, in keeping with the area, we would have dairy cows as well as uh, some tillage. And um, I suppose on the tillage end of things, uh, we have owned and leased land and a small, we do contract farming for a neighbour as well. And uh, on the dairy, mostly owned with a little bit of leased. And in terms of your rotation bill, what sort of way is that? What do you try to get around in, into your crops? It, it, it's not fixed in stone, Michael, to be honest with you. Um, we have one block of land 14 miles away, and that's continuous spring barley for the particular situation that it's in. But we would grow uh, winter wheat, winter barley, winter oilseed rape, spring oats and spring barley. So we would tend to rotate oats, wheat and winter barley with some oilseed rape thrown in on other blocks other than that particular block I spoke about. All right. Okay. So, and the flexibility then arises around what you can get in at the time, or does it arise around something more fundamental than that? What contracts you can get a hold of, or how does it, how does it, how do you, how do you decide it about? Well, to be honest with you, oats is an important crop in our area, as because Flahavans are a local buyer, and it's just a, a long history of growing oats around here. But we would grow oats and follow it with wheat, and maybe a couple of winter barley's. Um, now. That has been our approach as regards take all over many, many years. It worked very well. However, um, we have restarted growing oilseed rape because of a bit of an ingress of um, sterile brome around headlands uh, in particular. So we've gone back to rapeseed, not having grown it for you know, 15 years, maybe. Okay. And the rape is coming in just in terms of your cultivation system, then you're non-plough based, are you? Mostly non-plough based, yes. Um, And I wouldn't describe it as mini till at all, Michael, because uh, we have deep loosening legs on it. And uh, it's a machine that has discs and legs incorporated, let's say, and it would give a sure cultivation down as many inches as you want, but we would normally work six inches deep with the legs. Okay, so you're, 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 I think it's, I think it's known as deep non-inversion or something like that, I think. Well, it, it certainly is not mini-till anyway, that's for sure. Sure, okay. And in terms then of the soil types, is it, it is light, heavy, medium, what sort of, what sort of soils do you have? With the exception of one field, it's all free-draining soils. Uh, there would be a fair percentage of shale uh throughout but look it's all easy to manage soil really to be honest with you easy to, generally easy to till and would be free draining and would it be a bit of a jump to say because you have a dairy herd you put a lot of their organic manures back onto the tillage ground and and hence you might have good fertility on your on, on your tillage ground or do you have an idea where that is 
we would try to incorporate as much organic manures as we can. Now, that would include pig slurry where appropriate, uh, chicken dung uh, on various blocks, and uh, organic fertilizer from the dairies tends to go back into silage ground. Okay. So we, but that said, we would try to have as much organic manured influence as we possibly could have. Sure. And your fertility is pretty good then and your soil is then all around. Um, okay. fun, look, we have a couple of uh, blocks. There's one block that's leased and one part of it is very low on P. Um, and the other block, part of leased from the same person, is low on K. Uh, there are issues we've been trying to deal with over years. And uh, we would be applying strong rates of either 10, 10, 20 or uh, chicken dung there and um, and our pig slurry on the other part and finding it difficult enough now to get the pee up in one block but generally speaking our pee and k levels would be okay yeah be pretty good okay and in terms of being in a non-inversion based or non-plow based system for the most part was there a reason that you changed away from the plow for most mostly as i said to you we're doing cows as well all right and we've limited uh, labor so the spring's in particular, very busy. And um, so we looked around at some way to try and speed it up some bit. And uh, we, decide, we decided to go down this route uh, that we can make a little bit better headway every day uh, when we're at it. And uh, that really was it. And we wanted the fields to become a little bit more level. We found that with the plough, as much as you would try, uh, you tend to have uneven fields, to be honest with you. And so, look... And we would, as also because we were using as much organic fertilizer as we as we could, we would be incorporating it into the top three or four inches of soil uh, with that particular implement, and we reckon that was going to be a much better job. Uh, you, your yields have held up reasonably well in the conversion phase or between one and the other now. When you look back at it, I, I can't see any difference in the yields. To be honest with you, Michael. Um, uh, no, um, with with ours. The, the non-ploughing tends, you, can, you have to work in good conditions. You can't, just can't do it in poor conditions. So I suppose that has a benefit for the soil. And, you know, the theory of there being better uh, hum, humus or what do you call that, um, soil, organic matter uh, improving, uh, you know, that tends to help a little bit as well, I'd say, yeah. Okay, okay. John, I want to bring you in. Um, John, you are advising um, Bill around the, the ECT or the Enabled Conservation Tillage Project. And I was just wondering, in terms of that project and Bill's farm, how typically, how typical is he of farms um, within the project? Hi, Michael. Um, well, within the project itself, um, we're working with 10 uh, focus farms, we call them, um, and the various establishment methods from plowing to min till, we have some strip till and uh, some direct drilling as well. And I suppose uh, Bill has explained there um, his method of establishment. Um, he's not untypical of other min till participants in the project from an establishment point of view. So I suppose he's quite similar from that perspective. But where, where Bill and his son James's farm is quite unique, um, historically, there's an imported black grass situation which developed and went undetected for a number of years, several years ago, when we knew less about black grass and, and its identification at that time. And um, this black grass population um, 
unknown to everybody, uh, seemed to have a herbicide resistance problem as well, which went undetected. So attempts to control it early on in play um, with, with through pure chemical means failed. So I suppose by the time Bill discovered uh, the extent of the problem with um, through our own project and through herbicide resistant testing, um, he was left with a totally different scenario of control options to someone, say, who has only discovered blackgrass in the last number of years, and um, a serious seed bank had had built up. So it's a it's a very unique uh, situation. Okay, so 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 he's different in kind of in that regard, and and coming back then to to he's trying you know Bill's efforts, and you've been working closely with him in terms of the efforts trying to deal with that. Are there a number of areas do you think? Bill should be particularly proud of in terms of how he's gone about that control. And I suppose maybe there's always a flip side to these things. Are there a couple of areas you think that maybe could be improved on a bit? Bill and Bill and James, anyway, they should be very proud of the fact that their experience is of massive benefit to any other people who are looking from the outside in. Um, because um they may find themselves in a similar situation without having the the benefit of their experience. And that's really important to acknowledge. I suppose the way they've methodically worked through a limited number of of cultural control methods um, and used the knowledge that we've we've gained from our UK counterparts on Blackgrass's life cycle and where its weaknesses are, Using those methodically, we've slowly reduced the numbers in the field um, and prevented its spread to, to other areas on the farm. Um, for example, like blackgrass, um, it mainly germinates in, in the uh, autumn months, um, particularly in September and October. So by switching in the last number of years, Bill, I'll tell you, he, he has switched to uh, spring barley cropping in that particular area. So in conjunction, that will allow him to do several stale seed beds, or he has uh, on some occasions used uh, cover cropping as well to flush out the seed bank. And as I said, we're monitoring all the time in the project w- with weed counts. And I, I think the the figures are something startling, like he started with 60 plants per square meter, and now we're down to literally one to three per meter square. Um, it's it's uh, it's fantastic progress he's made. Um, also, quite unique I found um, on the project was um, a, a competitive um, crop like spring barley at very high seed rates. I think uh, Bill, from memory, it's was something like fourteen stone per acre or over two hundred kilos to the hectare. And it smothered out the the, the old blackgrass plant coming up. Um, anyone that was at our ECT crop walk in, in June was was fascinated by the fact it just was one main stem and no tiller whatsoever from a plant that can produce normally 10 to 12 to 15 tillers. Bill, can I bring you back in on that in terms of you're at the, obviously at the cutting edge of this trying to, trying to control this very vicious weed, I suppose you might like to call it. How do you think your progress has gone, or, or maybe even your knowledge, I suppose, on, on how to try and deal with it? And how do you think that the that, that, that has been deployed on your farm in terms of the, resu- the results you're seeing today? Well, I suppose, Michael, if you wouldn't mind, if I go back a number of years, uh, we noticed this grass weed and uh, we were concerned about it. And look, we weren't able to get it identified until I, I think 2016, 
when Kieran Collins uh, was able to do it. But anyway, we had um, the previous crop that year might have been winter barley, I think. No, the previous crop, sorry, and then we had, no spring oats, and then we had winter wheat, and it was um, it was getting kind of out of control. And you know, it was if you can go back to years when you were very young, I suppose, if you remember, Scotch grass went to be vigorous and competing strongly with the crop. It, it would remind you of that. Okay, so anyway, we took uh, we 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 got identified and we tried chemical control and uh, it to no avail. So so um, we decided that the best thing to do was go down the spring barley route. Um, uh, now we were only planting the spring barley at normal seeding rates then, and um, uh, it, 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 spring barley was a much was great improvement over the winter wheat, but we needed to do something else. So we increased the seeding rate and we tried a few different things as well. And as far as I can see, uh, the increased seeding rate it probably has had the most effect. For lots of our, our listeners might be thinking, well, sure, if you've got black grass, sure, sure isn't there a herbicide for that? Sure, can't we control the herbicide? What would you say to that? I can't remember the chap that came down from Oak Park. Uh, at first, but he took probably. samples of all of the grasses that he found. And unfortunately, they were resistant to our range of chemicals. And uh, so we, we didn't have a chemical option. Um, and as far as I'm aware, the only reliable chemical at the moment, and I stress at the moment, would be the one for the oilseed rape, which would be uh, curb. And mm. all of the rest of them uh, would be failing on it, you know. So at the moment, you're relying pretty much on cultural control or non-chemical control to try and control your black grass. Well, the Roundup would be our only chemical input into it on the on the, um, the stale seedbeds, yeah. Okay. And in terms of your, are you combining that with hand roguing and, 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 and those kind of measures as well? I'm afraid in our situation, um, uh, Michael, hand roguing just would not be an option. Uh, it, it, it is it, it's a very difficult thing to hand rogue black grass and you would want to be honestly you'd want to be very fit and you're <laughs> you you could spend days at it and then you'd look back uh, a few days later and you would see that your um your efforts would have been in vain really so uh, i i think hand roguing okay it would be suitable for some situations but not for the situation that we had in this field anyway Okay, and so then the chances are you're, you're you're left with a little residual of of black grass in that field year on year. You're, you're I suppose maybe you're you're going to put up with that, but how do you manage that then in terms of not allowing that to spread to your own fields through your combine, uh, or I'm not sure whether you use a contractor or not, um, or indeed maybe your neighbor neighbor's fields. We have our own combine, right? So we have to pay particular particular attention to cleaning it. Okay, but this is the biggest problem with the black grass. Trying to prevent uh, the spread is a huge time-consuming uh, issue. And to be successful, we'd be hoping we would be, but uh, uh, that's where I find the greatest weakness is preventing the spread of it. Uh, now, look, we, we, we would never allow... Um, Okay, it, the field is, we're in a grassland area, so the spread of it, uh, we would be hoping is not going to happen. But nevertheless, it is a great concern, yeah. And that's why I think that, uh, uh, you know, you can't afford to leave it, get to um, a stage where you're going to have viable, mature seeds blowing around the place. 
So we would be hoping the spring barley, by the nature of it, will be avoiding that. Okay, and so far so good. You you've managed to um, corral it, I suppose, maybe into that one or two fields that you have, and it hasn't really got anywhere else, is it? We have, even in spite of cleaning down the combine following this one, we have come across one or two seeds in another field, another two fields actually, but we've hand roped those and we'll be hoping that it won't become an issue. So John, can I come back to you then? So in terms of, you know, you know, Bill's system reads me well inside out and uh, in terms of the coming years, you know, he's going to continue to, 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 to plant crops within that field. Is there any advice you can give to Bill in what to do over the coming years or maybe uh, for other farmers who find themselves in a kind of a similar situation um, where they found black grass for the first time and, and, and they want to try and see, make sure that it doesn't go any further? Well, um, in relation to Bill's uh, particular place, like we, we're, we're going to have to continue with cultural control methods, but there are a few uh, further options which we are considering and we have, we have spoken about this for the coming years. Um, we do have the option of using the pre-emergence triolate, the, the likes of Avidex factor in combination with something like um on, on spring barley. And um, we, we, we have discussed possibly just trying, trying that um, in the future for, for this coming season. Um, we, in, as regards rotational, uh, Bill spoke there about that, that he, he grows some oilseed rape. Um, we have discussed uh, using the likes of Curb or Astrocurb um, for next year um, with the hope that we will follow up then with crop of winter wheat when um, the new BASF chemistry Luxemo um, will have been launched this time two years um, in autumn 2024. So, so there are there are possibilities of of uh, getting in there with with new chemistry. Um, Luxemo um, has been uh, launched in the UK for this autumn under the name Luxemum Luxinum for Plus. And um, we'll all be waiting uh, with bated breath to see how it how it performs. But in trials uh, which have been carried out in Ireland, um, it, it it seems to be uh, um, extremely useful chemistry. And then, like we we must always protect that and and not use them on their own. And then also stick with chemistries like flufenacet. Um, for uh, stacking of chemistries um, with, with winter wheat at a later stage. Um, I suppose just to the second part of your question there for anyone new to black grass, um, hopefully at this stage you will have a sample collected before the combine went through it and it is sent in to us already for herbicide resistant testing because this has to be a starting point for effective control to know if chemistry is working on it and which ones work on it. Um, also that you would have mapped out the areas affected so you can monitor the progress as time goes on. Um, what I would always say to people is to try and trace back and see where the infection occurred. Um, this will give you an idea of the scale of the seed bank you're dealing with, and that will give you an idea of the length of time it's going to take to get you out of the situation um, going forward. Um, rotation has to come into your thoughts um if sometimes it means um changing plans that that you have but yeah you must be prepared to change that because there are some crops the likes of oilseed rape we've discussed or beans or switching to a spring crop or say winter wheat 
will offer you the best chemical control if if you have susceptible uh, black grass. So, you know, you have to be prepared to change and make a little bit of a, a, um, adjustments to your rotation. Um, and they will allow you to come in with the cultural control methods like stale seed beds and cover crops, et cetera. Okay. So, so, so it's what you're saying then really, John, is it's identification first um, have a good varied rotation in it and make sure that if you're going, won't go with yeah. chemical control that the, um, that you know that there's whatever chemistry you're going to use is effective uh, against it in the first place. And that, that's put, putting those kind of three things into it um, would probably be a really good start. Absolutely. And just, just to point out, Michael, if, if you have, gotten yourself into a particularly bad situation you know don't rule out putting putting a field back into grass um or using rotational plowing if you're if you're in min till strip till or no till uh, one turnover with the plow is effective you know one year in four one year in five is very effective there's a 70 percent reduction on black grass year on year so that's a very effective method as well. Or, or alternatively, if you are a plow-based person to plow and then possibly establish a break crop through a mintail situation, um, don't ever rule out hand roving. It's 100% effective. Bill, I want to come back to you for kind of the final question on this because we've, we've gone through a lot. And um, funny enough that, that uh, John mentioned uh, plowing there a second ago. But you've been on a journey, obviously, away from the plow for the last number of years. Looking back on that is kind of the first part of the question, but looking back on that, is there any advice that you might offer other farmers who are considering changing away from the plow-based system in terms of um, different actions or does the soil need to be set up before you kind of go at it or is there, is there something that, 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 that you would think, um, God, if I would have known that, then I would have done it differently? Well, we don't feel that going away from the plow had any a negative effect on this, um, Michael, to be honest with you. Um, but I suppose, you see, we went away from the plough from winter. I think the winter wheat crop, the final winter wheat crop was ploughed from my memory. But following on from that, I, I think there were all, um, when we went to spring barley, it was all with, um, you know, the, the non-inversion tillage type thing. So I suppose in the situation where we were in going to spring cropping, it had no negative effect. I'm, I'm convinced because don't forget our previous rotation in this field, which would have been spring oats, winter wheat, maybe a couple of winter barleys in the plough situation. It was getting very much out of control. OK, so a plough play wasn't wasn't a cure to it either. Not where you had mostly winter crops. OK, OK. It needs to be a combination of all of those various different elements. Of it. And and considering, I, I suppose, maybe that you've been it's been a number of years now where you might have put the plough into it. Um, would you consider plowing that maybe in the future to try and maybe bring up a kind of a fresh seedbed, I suppose, that you could kind of min till thereafter? We have deep loosening legs on this. So I suppose there's a little bit of a rise of, you know, of the, the deeper soil. Uh, it's being aerated and opened up a little bit. Uh, so I, I see no reason to plow it, to be honest with you. And I'm not anti-plow or anything like that, but we just we're happy now with how it's working at the moment okay brilliant look that's great bill um thanks very much for that and thanks very much john for your for your contribution as well delighted you could join us in the podcast thank you michael thank you michael so that's it for this week and my thanks to bill and john for joining me on the podcast just a couple of areas before i sign off today in order to understand the aspects of the podcast which are most appealing and beneficial to you 
I would greatly appreciate if you could take three to four minutes to complete a survey. The details of this are in the podcast notes. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed this podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate and follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more Tillage news and advice.